What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. We got a great show for you this week. Telenet Giants Antwerp point guard Paris Lee joins the show. And before that interview, we're going to break down game day nine. Joining me to do that is David Hine over in Germany. Dave, how's it going? And happy holidays. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, happy holidays to you. Um, yeah, they've uh, given us uh, s- some more great uh, Christmas presents this year for those celebrating Christmas. Um, and uh, definitely plenty to look forward to in 2019. Yeah, it was a, a week full of stocking stuffers in the BCL. Uh, we do have a break after this, so there's going to be no games for two weeks over the Christmas break. And then game day 10 returns Tuesday, January 8th and Wednesday, January 9th. So no games for the next two weeks, but we will have a podcast for you uh, each of those two weeks, so watch out for that. Make sure you're checking out championsleague.basketball. That's the official website. There's going to be articles and videos uh, going up over the break as well. So we'll uh, keep pumping out stuff over the break, even though the games aren't happening. And then when the games do return, there's going to be some incredible ones to start the new year. So stay tuned for that. On this week's show, we're going to break down game day nine, First, let's jump in with the team of the week. Darren Washington from Umana Raya Venezia made the team of the week. 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists in Venezia's 1-point win over Halone. Nicolas Brasino from Tenerife, he had 20 points in just under 24 minutes, 7 of 10 shooting from the field in a win versus Nanterre. Boyan Subatic from Telecom Baskets Bond, 22 points and 7 rebounds, 5 of 5 from the 3-point line as Bond snapped Pauk's 5-game winning streak. The big man Yusafa Fall from Strasbourg is on the team of the week after 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks as Strasbourg beat Bayreuth on the road. And our guest this week is the MVP Paris Lee, monster performance, 27 points, 10 assists. He made 7 of 9 three-pointers after struggling a bit with his shot earlier in the season. He also played some great defense. Uh, it was a breakout game for Lee, and we'll talk about with that uh, talk about that with him later in the show. Uh, Dave, what did you think about the team of the week and anybody who you might add to that list? I mean, the top, I mean, Lee was, was fantastic. And, uh, I was really happy to, to see that, uh, you know, we've been kind of, uh, wanting to talk to him. He's got an interesting story. Um, and so obviously can't complain at all about him. Other guys who maybe have a case, uh, you look at, you know, Michael Thompson at Le Mans, you know, them getting a big victory, uh, over, over Banvit, you know, he had 22 points. Uh, six rebounds, six assists, four of eight on threes, uh, and and then maybe also um, Babacar um, Torre, uh, um, he with uh, you know Freiburg, uh, Freeboard. You know they're not going to have a lot of chances to get a victory. They won over um, over Opova, uh, um, and uh, you know at fourteen and eleven. But yeah, I mean more or less. I think they were. I think um, I think they were okay with the selections. Uh, who do you got? Yeah, I would have liked to see Ivan Bua from Besiktas on the list. Uh, mm-hmm. He had 19 points, 12 rebounds in a in a really huge win for Besiktas over Neptunus. Critical game for them in, in a tightly contested Group D. So I think I think I would have liked to see him get the spot over Fall. Uh, but Fall, you know, with his defense, his shot blocking, he he brings an extra element. So uh, no 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 huge complaints there. Um, so we're gonna start things off with the group by group breakdowns. We're gonna jump in with Group A. And that's going to be a steal. And here comes Cherepovich. Slam dunk. All right, looking at the standings for Group A, Morcia still in first place, comfortably at 8 and 1. Behind them, Avellino is 6 and 3. Then we've got Banvit and Nizhny at 5 and 4. Anvil 4 and 5. Lamont and Ventspils are both 3 and 6. And Ludwigsburg at the bottom, 2 and 7. Uh, starting it off, Nizhny, they beat Anvil 86-62 to in a blowout win. Kendrick Perry had 12 assists in that game. Nizhny really controlled this game pretty much from the first quarter. They, they went on a 10-0 run in the final minute 45 of the first quarter, led by double digits from there. Another game in this one, in this group, Avellino, they beat Ludwigsburg 82 to 76. Avellino shot 70% inside the arc. Uh, Hamidi and Diaye on the defensive end had four blocks in less than 18 minutes, kind of patrolling the paint there for Avellino. And then Le Mans, they got a crucial win, beating Banvit 85 to 71. Vinspiels, unfortunately, lost at home to group leaders Mercia 61 to 67. Uh, Dave, what, what kind of jumped out to you from group A? Yeah, just just kind of jump around a little bit. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing too much anywhere. Um, 
uh, Anvil now down at four and five. They've played the la- the last two games without Camille um, uh, Lachinsky. They won last week, but they they lost uh, this time around. Um, looking at Banvit, you know, I I kind of went out on a limb and saying that they might, you know, that they won't make the playoffs, uh, mainly because of the road and and you know they lost the road game to um, to Le Mans. They dropped to to one and three on the road. So you know that's the that's the that's one of the main storylines in Group A to follow. You know, if if they can get the road victories that they're going to need, um, Avellino. You know, you look at that that score line and you think, okay, it was uh, a tight game, but it was actually a twenty point game, um, and uh, and Ludwigsburg was able to tie it at, at six at seventy six seventy six, and then didn't score uh, again. So um you know Avellino I think we've talked about them before that they haven't been able to hold leads um and so there's another one there and and Mercia you know we really haven't talked much about Mercia you know we had um we had Clove on the show and and uh but we really haven't talked too much about them and they're 4 and 1 in games decided by 6 points or less um and and they just win Ugly dogfights is what I wrote down to kind of describe it. You know, um, you know they out rebounded Ventspils forty eight to thirty five, sixteen offensive rebounds. You know, Kate. You know, you have Soko, um, Kloof and Booker. You know, this is a really really good team that amazingly, you know, is 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 kind of flying under the radar at least in my eyes. I mean, I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I think because they're not as exciting offensively as some of the other teams like Bologna, Jerusalem, Tenerife, uh, you know, I, I think we maybe overlook them a little bit. But I think once it gets to playoff time, I think defense is probably going to win out. And I agree with you, you know, this is a tough team, a lot of just really just strong, tough dudes, both mentally and physically. You mentioned Kate, Kluf, uh, Ovi, Ovi Soko, Milton Doyle. Like this, this team is, uh, you know, they're, they're built, I think, to make a deep run in this competition. So yeah, they're definitely, definitely chugging along at eight and one, clearly the best team in this group, uh, which is interesting because, you know, before the season, we were talking about this is one of the more dangerous groups. Uh, it hasn't quite shaken out that way, but, but Mercia at the top, uh, look pretty pretty awesome. Uh, any, any final thoughts here? Yeah. Ranked 10th rank, ranked 10th in the power, power rankings, this, uh, going into the game day. So, uh, is Mercia. So, uh, it, it's not just, you know, you, you and I who are kind of, uh, overlooking, uh, maybe a little bit what they're, what they're doing. So, um, you know, you, you do have to tip your hat to them. Yeah, I, I did pick them as a final four team when we did that kind of prediction podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I, Put Morcia in there as one of my four. I think you did as well. Uh, but I also had Avellino in there, and that is not looking great right now. <laughs> Hold on, leading by four. Here is Corey Walden. Walden is fouled and one. Moving on to Group B, this one was a little bit more interesting than Group A this week. In first place, Tenerife at 8-1. and one. They've got a two-game lead over Venezia and Halone, who are both 6-3. and three. Then we've got Pauk at 5-4. and four. Nanterre and Bonn are both 4-5, and five, definitely still in the playoff hunt there. And then at the bottom of the group, Fribourg 2-7, and seven, Opava 1-8. and eight. Uh, Dave, let, let's talk about a couple of these in a little bit more detail. Let's start off with that Halone, uh, versus Venezia game. Venezia with a 70 to 69 win on the road at Halone to, to improve to two and O over them and, and secure their spot in second place in the standings. Uh, what, what jumped out to you from this game? This was just a fun battle throughout the whole game. You know, Halone was... Uh, was leading basically until late uh, in the third quarter, and then you know um, Venezia, you know, really was able to to hold on. Uh, Haynes had a huge three, and then uh, and then Bramos's jumper kind of decided it. You know, uh, rebounding was was really big for 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 Venezia, forty six to thirty one, fourteen offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, we've we talked about Day a couple of times, Austin Day, and and um, you know, this wasn't the um, you know, the, the two points, five foul in eight minutes. Uh, he only had three fouls. But he was one of 10, uh, one of 10 from the field. He did have five rebounds and three assists. So it wasn't the, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the, 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 the brain freeze, you know, uh, blackout day that we've seen a couple of times. Um, but, you know, but Washington was fantastic and really carried them uh, in this game. 
just fantastic, just a fantastic stat that only four players from Halone scored. Only four players. Um, and I think, and I think that uh, Jones fouling out. Uh, when did he foul out? With three oh five left. That was an, a kind of the backbreaker because because we just said you know nobody else was producing other than the three guys, uh, but you know it's just so much fun watching you know guys like Walden play um, and and Atkins and so that that's what I have. Yeah, really really good point guard battle between Corey Walden and Marquez Haynes, especially early on. They were really going at it, and then like you said, Darren Washington really turned things around for Venezia. Super aggressive. Uh, off the dribble, just making strong drives to the rim, had some putbacks, hit some open threes. He was really solid all game. And like you mentioned, Daquan Jones fouling out late was really tough because he had 26 points up until that point. Uh, he was pretty much unstoppable, uh, especially in the early going uh, for Halom. Khalif Wyatt had a quiet game, you know, uh, league's leading scorer coming into this. He only had eight points, two of 14 from the field. Some of that, he was just missing some open shots. That's, you know, and that's, that's going to happen every once in a while. Some of that was really nice defense uh, by Venezia. Julian Stone, in particular, did a good job on Wyatt. And then uh, Paul Beliga with some great defense on Wyatt on the final possession where Halone had a chance to win the game. Uh, Wyatt got Beliga on the switch, drove at him, and then he put up the shot and he like airballed the floater. And I thought it was, it was a really just like a, a poor decision because he jumped off of his, uh, like his, the off foot, like he jumped off his right foot and he's a right-handed player. So he just wasn't able to get any lift or create any separation really. And just airballed like an eight foot shot. So disappointing final possession there for Halom. And I thought that that kind of was emblematic a little bit of their fourth quarter where they had a lot of just mental mistakes, just miscommunications on defense that led to open shots, uh, silly turnovers, um, so I, I think, you know, Halone, they're going to have to watch the film from this game and learn from some of the mental mistakes. Uh, you know, like you said, only four players scored. They didn't get anything from guys like, like Guy Panini off the bench, 0 of 5 from the field. Uh, just, you know, they, they, they need more from their stars if they're going to beat a team like Venezia, who do have some depth and who do have, you know, guys like Bramos, uh, Chirella came in off the bench and hit a big shot. Uh, Marco Giuri hit a, a couple really big shots. So I, I thought that was kind of the difference in this game for Venezia is they had some contributors outside of the guys that you would expect. And then, um, you know, and then at the end, it really seemed like both teams were just almost like trying to lose the game. Like Venezia had a couple turnovers. They didn't, uh, didn't exactly instill confidence with the way they closed the game, but they were able to get a stop on the last possession and hold on to, to secure second place in the group for now. Moving on, another really interesting game in the group. Bonn beat Pauk 94-77. to Great offensive performance from Bonn. Uh, just beautiful ball movement all game. Just dribble penetration, drive and kick. And then they were on fire from the three-point line. So a big win for Bonn uh, to take down Pauk and move to 4-5. and five. Then we've got group leaders Tenerife. They beat Nanterre 79-68. And Fribourg beat Opava 77-76 on the road to improve to 2-7. and seven. That was a battle of 1-7 and seven teams. Freeboard come out on top. Uh, Dave, any, any notes on the other games in this group? Uh, you know, Pauk seemed unbeatable, and now their, their winning streak has been snapped, so that's you know, going to add some interesting uh, you know, dynamics to this group you know, going forward next year. Um, you know, shout-out to Freeboard, you know, uh, Opava, you know, that's probably going to be their last chance to get a victory, I would imagine. And, um, you know, Tenerife, you know, they, they, it was, uh, they were down by four with seven minutes left and then went on a 19 0 scoring, uh, run. They played without McFadden, who was hurt, and they brought in Devin White. He wasn't able to play yet for this one. Um, so yeah, again, it's, you know, it's, Tenerife, if they make their shots, uh, they win and, and, and they were losing to Nanterre and then Nanterre really couldn't do anything. Uh, and uh, Tenerife just started hitting shots. Rice, shepherded by Shazang. Zizis, Rice is open. Can he nail it from the top of the key? He can! Therese Rice! Moving on to Group C in first place, the defending champions Ike Athens are at eight and one and on an eight game winning streak. In second place, Hapoel Jerusalem are seven and two, Broza Bomberg six and three, 
Antwerp five and four, and then in fifth place, Lead Cabellus are three and six. Fuenlabrada are also three and six, and Dijon and Nemberg at the bottom of the group at two and seven. Uh, let's start this one off with the overtime thriller in France. Bomberg beating Dijon one hundred and one to ninety seven on the road. Uh, Dave, let, let, let's hear it from you. Your, your fellow David, uh, Mister Holston over there, had a pretty amazing feat in this game. All right, so, so behind the scenes, really quick for for the for the listeners, we we watch we try to watch as many of the games as we can, um, and often it's watching the games afterwards. Um, I knew this game went to overtime, and when I was watching it, um, and I knew you look at team comparison on on the, on the site, and 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 there's the uh, and there's the the you know the the breakdown of the score, the flow of the score, and it was a 15 point game after three quarters. With ten seconds left, it was it was still a six point game, and I'm like, how did this game go to overtime? And then Holston does what Holston can do: um, hits a three from the corner, makes it a three point game. Go send him to the free throw line. Eight point nine seconds, he hits both. Holston with really a miracle three with four point four seconds left. Um, go and watch the highlights because it's definitely worth it. If not just to to, to see Holston, four point four seconds left makes it a two point game. Harris. Goes to the free th- three throw line, two point nine seconds, misses the first, makes the second, three point game, and Holston this absolute miracle, really almost the same spot, um, and then uh, overtime, you know, there was a there was a there was a there was a, a foul which really was a great block by last week's guest, um, Axel uh, Julian, um, and uh, it wasn't the game deciding, but it was it was it was a, really a fantastic block, ended up being called a foul. Uh, and then Rice, you know, uh, Tires Rice does Tires Rice things, and um, and he got the win. I was I I was re- I was remembering the game day one um, when Fuenlabrada trailed by six points with 34 seconds left. Again, I watched that game knowing the result, knowing that Bomberg lost, and I thought, how did they lose this game? Down up by six with 34 seconds left. How did they lose that game? So, I even if you know. Even if you know the result, basketball is 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 amazing in that you it can just give you pure joy in in watching it. Like, how does this actually happen? Holson was fantastic, right? Right, uh, you know, Rice Hickman. Um, you know, this team is dangerous now. I think you know you have Taylor back from his injury. Hickman is back from his injury. Um, and and this is a team you know with a lot of veteran leadership, and so this is one that you know we're going to need to to watch out for. Um, so just a fantastic game, and and you know go watch the highlights just to see what David Holston did. Yeah, Holston's performance at the end of the fourth quarter there was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so go check that out. Like you said, Hickman and Taylor coming back was big. They combined for 33 points in this game. Rice only had 13, but he had that clutch three in overtime uh, where he, he was able to get open at the top of the key. And if there's anybody in the BCL that you do not want to leave open at the three-point line in overtime, it's Tyrese Rice. He was able to punish Dijon, give Bomberg the big win. They're 6-3 and three now in third place in the group. But like you said, looking really dangerous. Uh, th- this could definitely be a Final Four team especially once Hickman and Taylor, these guys, um, you know, get even more integrated back into the group. So huge win for Bomberg on the road there. Jumping around to the rest of the group, Antwerp, they beat Fuenlabrada 102 to 78. Uh, the final score makes this look like a complete blowout, but this was actually a really entertaining game. Uh, went back and forth for the first like two and a half quarters or so. And then at the end of the third quarter, Victor Sanders started to take over for Antwerp. And then he carried that over into the beginning of the fourth quarter, had a great performance. And then Paris Lee, our guest on the show this week, just shut the door, completely dominated the last five minutes of the fourth quarter he was hitting just like three-pointer after three-pointer he was throwing alley-oops uh he was hitting Kalinowski for a big three like just incredible clutch performance from Antwerp to finish off Wayne Labrada and they're 102 points the most for a Belgian team in BCL history so to congrats to Antwerp on that the other games in this group, Ike beat Nimburg 80-76 to and Hapoel Jerusalem with a 27-point win on the road against Lid Cabellus, winning that one 97-70. Dave, any final notes on the rest of these games? Really quick, how long ago is game day three if you're a Fuenlabrada fan when you were 3-0 and, and now six-game losing streak? 
Um, underrated guy last week to Sean Thomas. Thanks a lot, man. 16 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Um, as, and, and the rich get richer. Um, I, 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 even though it was a blowout, I wanted to watch the end of this game because the last seven and a half minutes, uh, Joel Chul played the South Sudanese, uh, Australian, um, scored six points, had a rebound in eight minutes. Um, you know, this is a big athletic guy played in a big 12 and, and, and was a, was a force. Um, so you know, you're 24 year old. They signed a three year deal with him, so they know it. So you have an idea what they like uh, with him. So if you put him in that lineup, that's gonna even you make them even more dangerous. Um, Ike, this was a this was a, a you know Nimberg has has surprised me. Uh, um, and and you know this was a tight game throughout. This is a good uh, this is a good uh, showing for for Ike. Seven points was the biggest uh, lead of the game. Um, you know, Nimberk was, was really playing with no pressure. You know, they, it was on the road, uh, ugly game. Um, you know, you had, uh, 37% for Ike, 40% from the field for, for, um, for Nimberk. 30 of 33 free throws for Ike, uh, 13 of 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so that basically decided game, just seven and nine free throws for, for Nimberg. So, you know, big, big victory over a real, uh, over a, a pretty good Nimberg team. Um, so, uh, um, a, a kind of a statement win that we can win ugly dog fights, just like Mercia, uh, Ike proved it as well. Weaver and his pass a little too difficult there to control. Alexander does a good job getting on the break. Oh, goodness me. What an alley-oop pass and finished by Alexander. And the last group, Group D, is absolutely fascinating. In first place, Virtus Bologna have lost two in a row, but they're still at the top at 7-2. and two. Then we've got Strasbourg and Prometheus at 6-3. and three. And then four teams are 4-5. and five. That's Besiktas, Bayreuth, Neptunes, and Ostend. And then in last place, Petrol Olympia at 1-8. and eight. We're going to start off this group with Besiktas with a huge 77-70 to 70 win over Neptunes. Uh, Dave, I think the stat of this game was Besiktas, 30 fast break points. They were really able to get out in transition. Phil Pressy did a great job of pushing the pace. Uh, Joe Alexander kind of came alive in this game, had 11 points, um, maybe his best game of the year. And Ivan Buva, like I mentioned at the top of the show, probably could have made team of the week with 19 points, 12 rebounds. Um, as, as Besiktas got a, a really crucial win to move into fourth place as it currently stands. Uh, what, what were some of your main takeaways from this game? Yeah, you mentioned the, the fast break points, you know, 18 to four points off turnovers. Um, you know, obviously that was, was big on that. Uh, you know, Neptunus missed their final five shots, just two points in the final two and a half minutes. But, but really, I, what, what, what gets Buva, but gets Bu on the team for me was that absolutely huge offensive rebound at the end of the game to to give them the win? You know, you look at that, that possession; they had three three offensive rebounds uh, in that one possession, and ended up getting getting the getting the basket with 21 seconds left on the putback. Uh, so huge victory to to stay alive for Besiktas uh, and to get them into that four and five group because otherwise they're at three and six, looking at at. Uh, um, at, 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 you know, Neptunus then jumps to five and four. So that, then they're going to have to get over them. Now they have, now they have, uh, uh, you know, the victory over Neptunus. Yeah. Massive win for Besiktas, a, a team that we had both kind of pointed out several times throughout the season, uh, as one of the more disappointing teams based on their past success, but big win for them. Uh, they, they could definitely still, uh, make the playoffs. Like I said, they're currently in fourth place over some of these other teams. Let's keep this moving. Bayreuth, they lost at home, uh, 76 84 to Strasbourg. Strasbourg, uh, just completely destroyed them in the first quarter, jumping out to a 30 to 6 lead at one point. Uh, and then Bayreuth, they were able to make a comeback. Cassius Robertson uh, absolutely caught fire as he's been doing in the past couple weeks. Um, Strasbourg, some, you know, really started to kind of lose their heads toward the end of that game. Basically, only Mike Green, uh, the, ve- the veteran there, was able to keep his cool, hit a lot of really clutch shots for them. But, you know, Marty Collins got ejected. Uh, they were making some silly turnovers. So not the most encouraging performance from Strasbourg, but they were able to get a win. Uh, Dave, what did you think about the, uh, the French team getting this one on the road? It was it was a nineteen point lead in the fourth quarter. It ended up getting down to six, and and to be honest, with Green, um, 
okay, Collins kind of lost it, but um, uh, especially with Green, I would have been shocked if they ended up losing this game. Um, and, you know, Bayreuth, you know, it, it was a great round of four, four wins in a row, but you, we knew that this was going to be a tough one. Uh, and, and rebounding 43, 43 to 28, 24 to 7 second chance points for Strasbourg. Obviously, 10 rebounds for, for Fall. Um, 11 points for Green in the fourth quarter. Traore comes back, 12 points. We mentioned him last week that that they are, you know, that they need him and, you know, he was perfect from the field, scored 12 points and so you know, this is a team I really really like uh, uh Strasbourg and and so I would have been shocked and really disappointed if they had lost this game. Yeah, Bayroy just j- dug themselves too big of a hole early. They were scoreless mm. for the first 5 minutes of the game and then they didn't get their first field goal until uh just under the 3 minute mark. They were 1 of 12 from the field in the first quarter and some of that was physical Strasbourg defense like they got some tough defenders, but a lot of it was just Bayroy making simple mistakes, fumbling the ball, uh missing open layups, missing three-pointers uh that were wide open, stepping out of bounds. So a uh, really poor start to the game kind of doomed them, but they're still definitely in that playoff mix with all these other teams. Uh, next game, Ostend, the upset Kings keeping it rolling. Third win in a row, took down Virtus Bologna, 77-76. to uh, TJ Williams with some huge shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, really, really impressive, tough performance from Ostend. Um, Dave, what, what did you think about the Belgian team with another upset? Uh, <laughs> what can you say? I mean... Um... Uh, one point in this game in the final 223. Uh, Ostende went scoreless, and then there was just one free throw for Bologna. Um, looks like, uh, it, you know, was, we, I think a lot of people were surprised that Punter didn't get the final shot. It was, uh, Mbe, uh, missing the layup at, at the buzzer. Um, what, what really impressed me was the fact that, um, you know, this, this was a, a pretty tight game, uh, throughout the game. And that Ostend was really able to withstand the, let's call it the the force of like a punter. You know, he hit this, hit you know one amazing three, hit another jumper. You know, seeing a guy like Punter, knowing what he can do, and to withstand that—that that was what really was impressive. Um, and uh, you know, there was a really really nice moment in the in the press conference afterwards uh, between Jerja, the coach, and and Jurisic. You know where they they kind of uh, you know took you know heads together and you know they were you know this was a huge win for them you know to go on top of the other two wins um, just a huge victory and and they did it without uh, and they did it without um, Marine Marich you know so you know one of their best big guys he wasn't he didn't play so just huge win by by uh, by Ostend and 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 it's it's keep going. And moving on to the last game in this group, Prometheus with the comeback win, beating Petrol Olympia 80 to 76 on the road. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, they were up by 16 points late in the, in the uh, Olympia was up by 16 points late in the second half. Um, this is, this is a very young team and, uh, you know, it's, it's all learning experiences. What I kind of wonder is what this team would be able to do. Um, if they were in another group, you know, you know, um, you know, put them in, put them in the Freebore, uh, Opava, you know, group, maybe instead of Bond, you know, what would they, what would they be? You know, it, uh, I would have kind of liked to have seen the team, the young, the youngsters, you know, take a big lead and then be able to hold it off. But there's just a little bit more, uh, you know, veteran leadership or just, you know, not being able to do things, uh, down the stretch that, you know, that, that, that ended up shining through in a negative standpoint for Olympia. Here they go. The loop to Holston for the game. He's made it. Can you believe it? We've got overtime. All right, and it's time for overtime. Five topics. We're going to get through these pretty quickly. First up, surprise of the week. Dave, who'd you choose for this one? Uh, I went with Bonn, uh, a blowout victory over, over Pauk. Um, we, I didn't really want to talk too much about it in the, in the group part of it. Kind of wanted to go over here. Uh, you look at bench points and they had 55 to 50 to 25, 52 to 25. And last week it was 51 to 18 in favor of Tenerifa. Um, and what was also impressive was, uh, you know, they, they, they built a big lead and uh and Pauk was able to come back and it was only a five point game 
uh, in the middle of the third, and then they they answered right back with a, with a nine zero run, and it was never closer than ten points the rest of the way. Fifty nine percent three pointers for Bond was the best in the BCL this year. So you just kind of wonder, you know, Rashad James he didn't play last week, like like we mentioned against Tenerife. He had 14.6 rebounds, five assists. Uh, we mentioned Subotic, you know, um, if they can hit threes, you know, this is, a, this is a pretty solid team. So after what last week, you know, Pauk and, and, and everything else and, and Juan coming in and getting the victory, that's what I have. What do you got? Yeah, I went with Ostend over Bologna. Um, you know, I, I really thought Bologna, after losing that game against Neptunus next week, I thought they were going to come out swinging, make a big statement win on the road. Uh, but they weren't able to do that. Ostend, great toughness. And it looks like Bologna, you know, maybe a, a little bit of that early season swagger and, and confidence uh, just, just isn't quite where it was uh, at the beginning of the season. So that was surprising to me. I thought they were going to come out and, and win that game by double digits. Uh, moving on to the stat of the week. I'll go first here. Uh, we kind of mentioned this earlier in the Halone Venezia game, but Halone zero bench points and only four players scored. As Dequan Jones with 24, Corey Walden with 20, Darian Atkins 15, and Khalif Wyatt eight points. Those four guys were awesome, but they got no help. And in a one point game, that is just brutal uh, to not get any points from the bench. Also, TJ Klein, the other starter, he was 0 4 from the field in 20 minutes. Uh, so, a you know, really tough loss for Halone at home. This was a great opportunity for them to take second place in Group B, but they didn't get any help for their from their supporting cast, and they lost by one point. Uh, what, what's your stat of the week, Dave? I see your zero, and I raise it three. I've got the goose goose egg special here from Lucas Steiger. <laughs> Seventeen minutes, forty-seven seconds, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists. No player in in the BCL has had been on the court that many times and not and had goose eggs in all of them. O for three from three points. He did have uh, and he had three fouls and a, and a turnover. So the goose egg special, Lucas Tiger. Come on, man, grab a rebound somewhere. Yeah, that's amazing. You'd think you'd like get a rebound by accident or something if you were on the court for almost 18 minutes. So incredible stuff there. Next topic, underrated player of the week. Uh, Dave, who did you pick for this one? I picked uh, Mirza Begich from Olympia. Uh, you know, the big old man, 33, playing with all the kids. Uh, had 12 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, and two steals. Obviously, they lost the game, but you know this guy has done so much. Uh, and seen so many things. He's a great presence for the for this team. The last four games, he's averaging thirteen point five points, seven point three rebounds, one point five assists, one point five steals, one point three blocks, hitting fifty eight percent from the field. Um, Begich, uh, huge, a real big double double plus assistant steals. So he's my underrated guy. Obviously, we're not talking about him at all. So let's talk about him a little bit. What do you got? Yeah, for this one, I went with Paul Beliga from Venezia. If you look at the box score, he only played six minutes and 25 seconds. He took one shot, no points. Uh, so, so you would maybe think he didn't have that big of an impact, but he played some incredible help defense when he was on the court in big moments. He ended up with three block shots in his six and a half minutes and played great defense on Khalif Wyatt, like I mentioned, on that final play where Halone could have gone, uh, gotten the go-ahead bucket. He's on a switch. He's guarding a smaller player, the guys who's leading the league in scoring, and he just did a great job sliding his feet, playing good defense. So I chose Paul Beliga for underrated performance. Uh, next topic, overreaction Friday. I'll go first with this one. <laughs> I'm looking at Group A, and I'm going to say that fourth place Nizhny Novgorod is the second best team in Group A. That's that's my overreaction for the week. I think Murcia clearly in, in top at eight and one, but Nizhny uh, at, at five and four. I think they're better than Banvit, who are also five and four. I think they're better than six and three Avellino, who I was excited about uh, recently, but. The you know the losses in the domestic league have been very discouraging. They have financial issues. They might lose a couple of their key players. So seems like um, you know the the Avellino train is slowing down a little bit. And I really like this Nizhny team. Just a bunch of tough guys uh, came out super aggressive against Anvil. Both teams were four and four. So this was a game that they had to have. They came out super aggressive, attacking the rim, couple big dunks on the first possessions to set the tone. Uh, so I was really impressed with Nizhny. I think they're the second best team in that group. And they play Morcia in the first game 
uh, of the new year. So a great chance for Nizhny to make a statement in early January. Dave, what's your overreaction Friday? First of all, I love I love that because I think I think you're dead on. Maybe a little bit different de- depending on what what uh, you know how Costella uh, how he comes back. Uh, but you know, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of the Kaiser Penguin and what would have been if 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 Perry didn't get hurt. Um, my overreaction Friday, <laughs> Ostend will make the final four. <laughs> no, no, I don't. It, um, yeah, they're they're going to make the playoffs. How about that? I mean. Uh, you know, you you look at them down uh, in 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 uh, in seventh place. You know, they're in that four way tie at four and five. Um, they've taken down the top three teams in in successive games. Two of them on the road. Um, you know, now and and for them, I actually think that the break is perfect because it gives coach a chance to say, "Listen, man, we haven't done anything yet. You've done a lot. You've won three games against three really good teams, but you haven't done anything yet. Let's go back and and when and the new year starts, let's go back renewed and say, "Listen, um, we haven't accomplished anything. We're close. We've done. We've done. We've accomplished something fantastic, but it's not. We haven't done anything yet. So." Um, overreaction Friday, let's say they will make the playoffs. I love it. I love it. Ostend making the playoffs in the brutal Group D. And the last category of the week is I feel bad for dot, dot, dot. Uh, Dave, who do, uh, who do you feel bad for this week? David Holston. Um, you know, just the, they ended up doing that, bringing the team back, and they couldn't get them to the victory. You know, the three three-pointers in the final 10 seconds. Uh, of of regulation, um, you know, twenty nine points, six of twelve from the three point range, uh, six assists. Uh, so yeah, I feel bad uh, for David Holson that he that he wasn't able to help the team get the victory. Really, a, a much needed victory if they and it was at home. Uh, so that's who I feel bad for. Who do you feel bad for? Yeah, second straight incredible game for Holston. Uh, for my pick, I chose Lorenzo Williams, the point guard for Neptunus, who got hurt in the first couple of minutes. He was only able to play 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, he's their starting point guard, plays a big role on that team. Usually he's out there for about like 27 minutes a game or so uh, before this one. So he wasn't really able to be at full strength. He tried to tough it out. He was hobbling around on the court and poor guy had to go up against Phil Pressey, who might be the fastest player in the BCL or, you know, he's, he's at least in the top five uh incredibly speedy point guard so poor lorenzo williams was out there hopping around on one leg trying to keep pace with pressy and and i mentioned the 30 fast break points for besiktas like they were really looking to push the pace uh so i I felt bad for lorenzo williams because if he didn't get hurt um you know this was a close game anyway maybe if he was able to stay healthy neptunus could have pulled out uh the big win on the road so i went with lorenzo williams I think that's going to do it for the overtime segment. Coming up next, we have our interview with Paris Lee, the star point guard for Telenet Giants Antwerp. He was the MVP this week, 27 points, 10 assists. Uh, So we we were excited to talk to him about a variety of different topics. Dave and I will join you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. Valley for the rebound, comes away with it. Oh, nice in and out dribble. He pulls up. Transition three-pointer. One of the foul calls, nothing. Here comes Lee now in transition. Lobs it to Baco for the alley-oop dunk. And that's now a double-double for Paris Lee. His 10th assist are three rebounds, five made threes for the guard. Little step back, the dagger. Of course he knocks it down. All right, so on the show this week from Telenet Giants Antwerp, uh, Paris Lee. Uh, Paris, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Paris, you were named uh, the MVP of the Team of the Week this week uh, with an outstanding performance, 27 points, three rebounds, 10 assists, and a steal, and the big win over Fuenlabrada. Uh, in the post-game press conference, you said it was probably the best game of your career uh, maybe just talk about the game and what was working for you and, and uh, yeah, just talk about that great performance. Well, I would like to, uh, to start by um, saying I want to thank my teammates and my coach because um, I have been in a, a shooting slump, as you guys can see, but um, they've been telling me to stick with the course is just keep shooting the ball, keep shooting the ball. And just to hear that, just to hear your coach and your teammates had that much confidence and you made a lot and made that my shots more easy. 
So uh, going into that game after the first one went in, I felt it. It, it felt good, and I just felt like I was going to have a really, really good game because the, the first shot that went up, it felt really good. So after that, after the first one go in, you know, everything just started opening up for you. I started getting drives and dri- I started getting driving opportunities because um they had to play me up close and now I'm kind of, I'm fast so when they got up close to me I was able to blow past so a lot of things opened up once my three ball started falling. Yeah, Paris. Uh, so the first time you guys play- played for Wayne Labrada, you guys lost by 12 points uh, back in game day two. What did the team learn from that game uh, that you kind of took into this one to get the victory? Well. Um, Coach, he, he did say that uh, uh, they 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 move at a very very fast pace with um with their plays and their actions and um we weren't ready for how fast they were. That was probably the fastest team as far as um running sets that we've ran into this year, and we weren't ready at the time. So uh, you know, Coach brought us in. We watched film and um we just learned from it, man. And we were well prepared this game. Yeah, so you had a, a huge performance in the fourth quarter, especially those last few minutes. I, I think you had like 10 points and four assists in the fourth quarter alone. Um, how how important was it for the team to finish this game strong, especially because, you know, a, a few weeks ago, you guys had a great chance to beat Ike, the defending champions, but, uh, you know, couldn't really execute in the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I was just wondering, you know, if, if that was a, a topic kind of coming into this game is, is, in terms of closing it out. Um. It wasn't really a topic, but you know we have a lot of we have a lot of smart players on our team, so we know that uh, pretty much almost every game that we have lost in Champions League has been uh, decided in the last three minutes. Besides um, the first time we played against, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce Fuenlabrada. I think I said Fuenlabrada. Yeah, but that was to me that was probably the only team that really just came out and beat us really bad, and. I feel like every other game that we've played in Champions League that we've lost have been decided in the last three or four minutes. So um, I just feel like that um, we're gonna start we're gonna start finding ways to click in the last three four minutes, and um, hopefully we can start closing out more games. You, you guys Good have won- we're taking them taking these taking these games now and then later though. You guys have have won three of the last four now in the BCL, you're, and you're five and four. Um, you're you're two clear two games clear of of Lee Cabellas and Fuenlabrada with the tiebreakers in both of those. So basically, you're three games up with uh, five games left. Maybe just talk about the importance of getting that victory. Looking ahead to uh, uh, the playoffs picture, especially knowing that you still have some really tough games coming up. Oh yeah, well, um, I mean, our main focus is to um, to make sure we we take care of our last two home games. You know, that's our main focus and. Um, I mean, we're just gonna play every game as if we we're gonna win, even on the road or at home. And um, hopefully we can come out victorious, at least on uh one of the road games, man. I, it would be nice if we can win out, but you know, Champions League is very very tough and competitive, so it would be tough. Yeah, uh, one of the most interesting things about your team, I think, is that everybody on the team is 27 years old or younger. Uh, what, what's it like to be playing on a on a team like that? And has that maybe like kind of forced you into more of a leadership role or something like that? But what, what's what's it like just kind of playing on a team where everyone's uh, you know that young? It, it's pretty fun, man. It, it's, it's actually fun because uh, it it could be it, it like you can get the good and the bad with, with us because um you know some games I feel like for the most part every team that we have played against have been very very consistent, you know. I feel like as a young team, we show a lot of inconsistency sometimes, and that and that 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 hurts us a lot. But being on a young team like this, we are like just growing together, and and that's what makes it fun. So I feel like with this young team, man, we it's so much that we can that we can do. But if we if we play our game and play the way we know we can play, I feel like we can really really compete. If we uh, qualify for the for the final sixteen teams, I feel like we can make a nice run in it. It it it's not too often that um, the number uh, of the coach is retired. Uh, playing for 
Coach Moore's there. He's a legend with that club. Been there since 2009 as a as a player and as a coach. Yeah. Uh, just maybe what it's like uh, playing, uh, you know, for a team for a fan base that really, you know, I let's say idolizes, identifies with a coach uh, that much. Well, Coach man, he he. I'm so happy that I was um, put in this situation last year because you know um, coming out of college. This is like basically my first time like being overseas. I heard a lot of um, a lot of stories of like a lot of bad situations that my a lot of my old like teammates were in overseas and stuff like that. And um, I was blessed. I was blessed to have a a very good coach like my coach. Um, it made it a lot easier because he was a point guard and um, he's very chill for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> but, <laughs> We uh we we see we see eye to eye together, man. And um, I knew I knew from the I knew from when I first got here, and what he told me he expected from me, I knew that I had a, a very good coach and, and coach Morris. Uh, looking at uh, Ostend, another Belgian team. You know now they've uh, knocked off Strasbourg, Prometheus, and uh, Virtus Bologna. Um, you know they also beat you in the Belgian league. What does it say about what they're doing? And about you guys are doing, um, uh, what does it say about Belgian basketball? Well, like you said, Ostend, that's they are a very, very good team. And, um, I mean, they got off to a very, they got off to a slow start in Champions League. But as you can see, they're turning things around. And, um, but as far as Belgian basketball, man, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very good league. And, um, it's a very respect. We should, like, the league should be more respected, if you ask me. But, um, it says that that like we both are are going up, like we both are getting better. Both of the teams, us and Austin, and um, it's, it's it's fun to watch and it's fun to see that another Belgian team is doing doing good at Champions League because um, I'm I'm a very competitive guy and I like to see that like my competition is doing good. So it's just, it's fun to watch actually, man. It's just fun to be a part of as well. Let's go off the court a little bit. What's your maybe your hidden talent or secret passion? Uh, let's see. Uh, I would say 2K playing video games, but I I I suck really bad this year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I can talk a lot. Shoot, I'm I'm a good talker. I'm I'm very convincing. (laughs) That's a hidden talent of mine, I guess. Uh, I've seen uh, you have a lot of tattoos as well. Maybe. Uh, what are some of your favorite tats, and and or or maybe some of the stories behind some of them? Uh, well, on my left forearm, I have a tattoo. It's dedicated to my father. He passed away when I was in seventh grade, and um, basically, it's a it's an it's an hourglass with two hands holding holding it, and his name is um in the middle of it, and um on top of it on top of each hand, the date that he was born, and then the date he passed away. And then they called my father. His name was his nickname was Tiger. And then the inside of my forearm, I got like four claws, like like tiger claw in me to represent Tiger. So that's my favorite tattoo that I have. Nice, nice. Sounds sounds pretty cool. After I guess probably check out a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, s- sticking with just kind of like your background a little bit. Uh, when when did you start playing basketball? I started playing basketball when I was uh, four years old. I used to always run behind my brother, my oldest brother. He um he used to um always take me to the gym with him wherever he went, and whenever he played, he always picked me up. No matter no matter how, who he was playing against, he always uh picked me to play on his team, and that and I feel like that helped me become a tough player that I am, and helped me become the player that I am today. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, maybe outside of him, who are some other role models on the court? Like, like anybody that you kind of patterned your game after? Um, well, I kind of went through a phase, man. When I uh, when I first when Dwayne Wade first became uh became an NBA player, I fell in love with his game right away with just how hard he played. And um, even though he was drafted, um, I think he was drafted like fifth. You know, in his draft class, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. They got all of the all of the like the hype and all of the all of the publicity, but little did people know that Dwayne Wade was in Miami doing his own thing, and 
that stuck out to me because um, I've always went with the underdog. I, I like the underdog. I like just like Antwerp. We're we're pretty much the underdog coming in the Champions League, and um, I like to I like the story of the underdog overcoming the obstacles. So that's what I feel like. I fell in love with Dwayne Wade so much. Yeah, for sure. One one thing we have to ask: uh, Paris is a pretty unique name. What's what's the story behind the name Paris? Oh uh, man, my mom named me Paris because she wants to go to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> straightforward straightforward just like that <laughs> are you gonna take her oh man all you guys didn't ask me this but uh mom she's been to belgium <laughs> twice and i and i haven't had the time to take her neither time she was here so she's supposed to come back around may which is our playoffs and i promised her that i would make sure she gets to paris this time so yes i would definitely make sure my mom get there well especially since she gave you the name right Exactly. And I feel so bad that I haven't been able to take her, but I'm definitely going to take her when she comes back in May. You're from one of the western suburbs of Chicago, Maywood, and went to Proviso East. Um, personally, I'm from Franklin Park, just a bit north, and went to West Leiden. Okay. And back in my high school days, I watched one of the best Proviso East teams of all time, Michael Finley, Sherrod Ford, Don, Donnie Boyce, yep. <laughs> uh, who was actually, I guess, your coach there. Um, yeah. Uh, some of the other guys that went to Proviso East, Doc Rivers, Sterling Brown, D. Brown, Shannon Brown, Stephen Hunter, Reggie Jordan. Uh, just what was it like playing at Proviso East in the shadows of so many greats uh, coming before you? Man, it, it, it was actually a blessing and an honor, man. Like, they expect so much from uh, from from the guys that's um, stepping on the court that year. And um, as you as you said, Sterling Brown, shoot, even Javon Carter, he just got drafted to the Memphis Grizzlies this year. Um, I was able to play play with alongside um, a lot of good players, and um, it also helped me become the player I am today. Because at Proviso East, if you don't play defense, you're not going to play. So that went a long way with um, the reason why I played so much good defense. Because um, you have to play defense if you want to survive at Proviso East. Yeah, and you took that to college too. You were the defensive player of the year, conference player of the year as well. Um, maybe just going from Illinois State to the pros, uh, the adjustment uh, with that, um, and then maybe living in, in, in Europe and, and enjoying being out here on the old continent. Yeah, well, the adjustment from, from, high, I mean, I said from high school, from college to pros, it was very hard, man, because, um, you know, in, in college – I, I play. I was used to playing 30, 30 plus minutes, and um, when I first got to Europe, of course, um, you know, coach he 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 knows my game from film, but he doesn't know like physically coaching me yet. So you know, it was a little rough patch for me. I was coming off the bench, and I wasn't used to coming off the bench. So I was, and I was calling my mom all the time. Mom, I, I don't know if I can stick this out, and I'm ready. To, I think I'm ready to hang it up because I I, I was in my head a lot, man. Like I said, coach, coach being a very good coach, he saw that and he 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 kept he kept telling me like it's all right, you know, just do what I need you to do and you're gonna be all right. And um, coach stuck with his word and then I eventually earned a starting spot. And um, after that, I feel like I just took off and uh, just just kept getting better and better. And um, as far as living in Europe, it was different, you know. I was here alone. Never been this far away from home, but um, with the teammates that I have, they made me feel like I was at home. That we all go out to eat together, go to a movie, go bowling, and um, I mean it's just it's just family oriented here. And um, like I said, I'm blessed to be in the situation I'm in right now with the fans and the club, the club, the club, the the, uh, the Antwerp Giants, the president. We have a very nice president, man. And I can go on and on and on about Antwerp, man, but. At the end of the day, it's it's all love here. Everything is is lovely here. I love it. Yeah, and, and last season, one of those teammates you mentioned uh, was Tremel Darden, who's played for like you know the biggest clubs in Europe, Real Madrid, Olympiacos. He, he's been everywhere. Uh, what was it like playing with him, and and what were some of the things that he taught you? Well, pop, we called him Pops, man, because uh, every every time we talked to him, he he told us a story. <laughs> he gonna he gonna laugh when he hear this, but. Man, it was one time I got I got to tell this story. It was one time, man. I had asked Pops a simple question. I can't think of what I asked him. I asked him a simple question, 
And I was expecting a simple answer, like no more than 10 seconds. That answer that he gave me took him 30 minutes to tell me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that just says a lot about his character, though, man, because uh, Pops, like I said, we call him Pops. He wanted what was best for every single one of us. And um, I feel like when, when Pops came to the team, he helped us become a, a, a better team. He helped us stay together. And um, he actually hit a very, very big shot to send us to the finals last year. And um, like I said, he he was a, he was definitely a player about the team first. And um, he he taught me he taught me how to become a better pro. And um, like I had days like games where I didn't shoot the ball good, and he'd just see it in my face. He'd be like, "Hey, young fella, listen, you got a lot of basketball left, man. Don't worry about it." And that's the type of player Pops was. And uh, to this day. I still talk to Pops on Twitter and stuff like that. And if I have anything, he told me I can hit him up whenever. So that's going to forever be a good friend of mine. Yeah, that, that's awesome. He seems like a, seems like a good dude. Um, one of the teammates you're playing with this season, a young guy, is, uh, Ishmael Baco, 23-year-old. Seems like you guys have a really good connection, um, especially like you know in pick and rolls, throwing them alley-oops. Like you guys had a couple really good hookups in that game uh, a couple days ago. Uh, what's it like playing with Baco, and and what can we expect from him? You know, kind of like long term. Oh man, I love playing with Baco, man. Um, to be honest, man, whenever I give an assist to Baco and he dunks it, I feel like I score, and it's the best feeling in the world because it gets me going, and it also gets him going too. And um, when you got when you got a Baco that's that's going and playing really really good, man, he can he can do so much. It, it, it's crazy. His ceiling is is very high. And um, I feel like you can expect, man, crazy, like a lot of crazy more dunks from him. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he can he can be a double-double. He can be a double-double every night, honestly. But, like I said, I love playing with Baco. And um, we definitely have a good connection. And we have a good eye for each other. Last season, um, Antwerp went through the qualifying rounds, um, went through the first and second rounds, and then lost to Rosa Radom in the third qualifying round. Uh, this season, you made it through uh, through two qualifying rounds uh, to make it to the regular season. Maybe just talk about how, how exciting it was for you and the club to, to reach the final two, uh, how much the club deserves it, especially after going through really five, five rounds of qualifying uh, over two seasons. Oh man, once once we punched that ticket in the Champions League, it was one of the best feelings I've ever had been uh, playing basketball. And um, because last year, man, we were so close, we even went into the to the last game up, I think nine. So with a nine point cushion, you would think that we would close it out. And um, you know that that really really hurt. And um, I feel like with the players that we had, we had a lot not like a couple new players to come and um help us out this year. But with the players that that went apart, that was a part of that that um, coming up short group, we knew what it took to um, how important these games were in order to uh, qualify. And you know, we 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 definitely fa- we definitely faced some adversity, um, and um, and uh, especially in Italy, we started off down ten, I think, in the first quarter, and um, we got a nice spark from from Victor Sanders off the bench, and um. After that, after we responded to them, I just felt like we could we can compete with anybody because that was tough. You know, we playing in Italy in a hostile crowd down ten, and we come back and still end up winning by like eight or nine. So from that from that game, that's I was I was very very impressed with how we how we responded, and um, I definitely feel like Antwerp deserves Champions League, and we're showing it that we we deserve to be in it. And and after that rookie season, you know, it was pretty pretty solid rookie season in October. Um, you guys locked up a regular season spot, and then after that, you uh, you signed the two year extension with with Antwerp, um, with which is actually you know it's pretty uncommon um, for for a player to you know not only stay in the same country, stay in the same club, but you know after a rookie season, then go extend it for two years. Uh, maybe just. Talk about the reasoning. I know you, you've talked a lot about the the love and the family feeling that you have with the club. Maybe just talk about the uh, the reasoning for signing for two years, uh, two more years uh, with Antwerp. Yeah, well, um, like I love the connection that I have with Coach, 
And um, it, it's not even just about me, man. He cares about my family. He cares about he cares about um, how I'm doing off the court. And like I said, it's it's a little bit more than basketball with coach. And um, I feel like that they have my best interests here in Antwerp. And I want to be somewhere where I where they want me and not just tolerating me. And they showed that they want me. So, you know, it was easy. It was an easy decision. Yeah. And looking ahead, kind of the second half of the season, um, what what are just kind of the big, like, team goals for the second half of the season? And then uh, what do you guys got to do to achieve those? Well, the main goal for us is to make sure we get better and learn from each game and get better each practice. That's the main goal. But, um, to me, I really, really want to qualify in the, in the last 16 of Champions League. Um, want to compete in the cup finals. And I definitely want to get back to the, uh, our regular season finals. And, um, I mean, honestly, I feel like with the team we have, I feel like we can, we can successfully win both the cup and we can win our final if we play the way we're supposed to play. And as far as Champions League, the, the last 16, I feel like we're going to compete. We're going to compete very hard. And um, whatever happens, happens. As long as we play our way, as long as we play the right way, as long as we play Antwerp Giants game, the sky's the limit for our team. Man. We have a special group. Coach said after this past game in the press uh, post-game press conference that if you guys are hitting your shots, uh, you you can be an amazing team. You can beat anybody. Um, you guys knocked off Hopwell Jerusalem uh, by 12 points at home on game day three. Uh, they're the next opponents. Obviously, they're playing great basketball as well. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to be out for some revenge. Uh, may just talk about what you expect from that next game. Oh, man. Oh, man, man, man. Don't give him any billboard material, but uh, what do you expect? Hey, that game, I just know that game is going to be probably one of the funnest games that I've I've ever played in just because I know how hard they're going to come and um, play against us because, as you you say, as you can see, we were coming in the underdogs. Even though we were at home, we were coming in the underdogs. And um, they are – Man, that's that's an amazing team. They got weapons all over the floor. It's crazy, man. And they play very, very fast. Uh, with their crowd behind them, it's going to be a very, very tough game for us. But um, I just feel like if we play our game and we, like like Coach said, we can play with anybody if we're making shots, I feel like we're going to definitely compete. We're going to definitely, definitely compete. I know that. We have a very young team. We have a very hungry team. And – we don't back down from nobody. I'm just, I'm sorry. We, we're a tough team and we're ready for whoever. I know it's going to be tough, but if we play our game, I know for a fact, my guys, we're going to compete. It, it's a, it's a young team. It's a fun team. Uh, we've enjoyed watching you so far and, and we look forward to uh, the, uh, the games after the holidays. Um, Paris Lee from Telling the Giants. Antwerp, first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, happy holidays and uh, good luck the uh, the rest of the second half of the regular season. And uh, hope f- for you and the team that you guys can make it to the uh, to the um, to the playoffs. And uh, yeah, good luck. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Paris Lee for joining us this week. Uh, Dave, this is a guy we wanted to have on the show for a few weeks now. Uh, what did you think about our interview with Paris? And on a personal note, you know, that, that area, you know, that high school is, is an amazing high school. And I really wanted to get his uh, impression of, 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 of playing for really a famed institution that Proviso East, East is not in Chicago. It's, it's just outside Chicago, but really is a powerhouse. Just, you look at the names that were mentioned. Um, and, and really, you know, this is a team that, uh, you know, I was really excited that when they made it to the, 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 the regular season because they were so close last year. Um, and, and really, you know, really some exciting names, you know, we really haven't really talked that much about, uh, about Victor Sanders. You know, he's only 23 Baco. We, we talked a little bit about with him, you know, this is a fun, exciting team. And, uh, and 
I really hope they do reach the quarter, the 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 the, the playoffs because that'll give all those youngsters um, that much better experience. And I tell you, man, that's that's that would be great finals uh, in the Belgian league. Ostend against these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is a team I I really enjoy watching. This team they're very fast paced. They shoot the ball well. Uh, they I I love just the the Lee and Baco pick and rolls are awesome. Um, yeah, really fun team to watch. Jayshon Tate is is another guy on this team who can put up points in a hurry and is a really versatile scorer and just a, a cool player to watch. Um, and yeah, I, I love like the the youthful energy of the team. You know, we talked about that with everyone being twenty seven years or younger. Like it, it's almost like a college team kind of. Uh, and, and you can see that in, in the way they play. Sometimes, you know, they have inconsistencies because they're a young team. They make some mistakes that a more veteran team might not make, but they just bring such a passion and excitement and energy. And so I, I love watching Antwerp. And that's a team that I would not want to play in the playoffs. Um, if they co- if they come through as a fourth seed and you're the one seed, that's, that's not a fun matchup where you got to try to contain Lee. Tate Sanders is a super explosive scorer. Baco is a nightmare to try to deal with uh, when he's rolling to the rim so that you know that's a team i would not want to play as a top seed um and and i think you're right i think they will get through and then and then that belgian league finals against us yeah that that would be awesome um any any final thoughts dave no i just i really hope everybody has a nice christmas who will celebrate it um uh the basketball champions league has given some good gifts uh to go into the to the break uh no break for us you know we, we will be on uh, next week and the week after. Um, so, uh, yeah, just everybody uh, that celebrates have a, a a wonderful holiday holiday season. Yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Stay tuned for next week. We'll have Igor Jerkovic, uh, the writer for the BCL, who does the power rankings and the live blog and a, and a ton of stuff for the website. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a fun episode coming up next week. Uh, as Dave said, happy holidays to everyone out there. No BCL games over the next two weeks, but we will have some podcasts. There will be some stuff going up on the website, championsleague.basketball. Make sure you download the official Basketball Champions League app to stay up to date on everything there. Uh, For Dave Hein out in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and we'll catch you guys next week. 